Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a God who's worthy of our worship. God, we pray today that you would be glorified in everything that we do. God, that as we look at your word now, that your glory would reign supreme. And God, that you would give us a deeper picture of who you are and how we can faithfully follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. In changing times and in changing moments, how do we have a faith that endures? When we think about change, these graduates are getting ready to go through a lot of change. They're getting ready to leave home. They're getting ready to leave mom and dad, leave the safety and security of their home church and the world that they've known for many years and go into a place of great uncertainty and great change. As those of us in this room who may not be graduating today, we may be facing uncertainty in our lives as well. That uncertainty could be the waiting of a diagnosis, the email that you got from work learning that there's a meeting that may be happening this week that could determine your future. Or maybe just uncertainty of wondering what God has for you and what God's plans are for you. And in changing times, how do we have a faith that endures? This morning we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 and see four different understandings of an enduring faith. And if you have your Bibles, if you would stand with me, we're going to read Colossians chapter 3 starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. God, open our eyes to you. God, speak through your word as we listen. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all grab a seat. A faith for the future, a faith that endures in changing times, understands four different things. First, if you're taking notes, a faith that endures understands that salvation requires a personal decision understands that salvation requires a personal decision. When Paul begins this chapter, my translation says, if then, yours probably says since if you're looking at a pew Bible. Um, the idea is a conditional clause that Paul is saying, if you are following Jesus, if you are a Christian, Paul is not rushing into this part of his letter, making the assumption that we so often do, that everyone in the church and everyone in the room is a follower of Jesus. Sometime this afternoon after I get done with lunch and everything here at church, I'm going to pull into my garage and I'm going to get out of my car. And even though I'm in my garage, that does not make me a car. Even though there are people in the church, that does not make you a Christian. Paul is setting up this conditional clause that makes us realize that belief in Jesus is something that doesn't come via osmosis. That is not something that you just merely pick up by being around or by singing songs or by listening to sermons. Um, I'm working on some stuff at school, and part of my research for school is looking at college students and looking at students that walk away from their faith. The reality for a lot of students is they graduate church and they graduate Jesus. 
And the thing about that is, the scary thing about that is they've not embraced a faith of their own. Seniors, you cannot ride on your parents' faith. Students in this room, elementary students in this room, you cannot ride on your parents' faith. You must decide what you believe and embrace and follow Jesus for yourself. Faith is something that you have to own for you. There's a pastor out of Texas named Matt Chandler, and Matt Chandler talks about parents and those concerned adults who are trying to build up children in the faith. And he gives this picture that's a beautiful word picture. It's the idea of building a fire. And parents and youth pastors and Sunday school teachers and everybody takes the sticks for the fire and sets them up. And then prays for God to bring the fire and watch it burn. As parents, as concerned adults, as people who've been Sunday school teachers and mentors and those who've come alongside these graduates through their time here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church, we have laid the foundation. We have set up the fire. And it's God that makes it burn. And it's our decision to follow God that makes that burn. You can't live off your parents' faith. Your first week or couple weeks in college is going to define who you are. The decisions you make, the friends you make, those moments in your first couple weeks is going to determine who you're going to be and what you're going to be about. Is that is church, is God something that's going to go along with you? Or are you going to dump Jesus when you dump high school? Attendance in church and participation in the community of faith to each and every one of us doesn't mean that we've experienced Jesus for ourselves. We have to experience Christ for ourselves. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. Faith that endures understands that salvation requires a personal decision. This morning, if there are people in this room who've not experienced Christ, my prayer is that today your eyes will open to the gospel and you'll realize that following Jesus is something that you have to decide to do. Next, an enduring faith first understands that salvation requires a personal decision. Second, understands the world through the view of heaven. Understands the world through the view of heaven. Verse 1, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are, are above and not on earthly things. Understanding... Following Jesus understands the world through the view of heaven. Notice we see a picture of Christ here. Christ is seated in heaven. When we think about our lives, when we think about the uncertainty we're in in a nation with knowing who our next leader is going to be, and the uncertainty that you may face in your own life, Jesus is seated on a throne. Jesus is ruling. Jesus is reigning. And no matter how bad the chaos in our world, in our country, in our lives, and in the circumstances we may find ourselves today may be, the reality is Jesus sits on a throne. And he's the one who reigns and he's the one who rules. And when we think of life through the view of heaven, we realize that Jesus is in control. And that no matter how dark, no matter how far, no matter how hopeless, no matter how lost we seem to be, Jesus is the one who's seated and Jesus is the one who reigns. In Romans 8.34, we see another picture of Jesus in heaven and it says that Christ intercedes for us, that Jesus is interceding on our behalf, that he's praying to God the Father and, and for us, that we would live this life of faith, that we would live a faith that endures, that we would be people who follow after God. We, and when we understand the world through the view of heaven, we realize that Jesus reigns. 
Second, when we understand the world through the view of heaven, we realize that heaven's values are different than the values of earth. Seniors, as you go to college, your values will be challenged. And are you going to stand for Christ and are you going to stand for the values that you know that God has called you to do? Or are you going to cave and follow the world? Because the reality is following the world is the easier path. But you're called to take a stand and you're called to be different. And those values are not just values of doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. It's the value of what's going to be your God. What's going to be the thing that's the ultimate in your life that you run to? Is that a relationship? Is that success? Is that good grades? Is that the best career you could have? Is that your dreams or is that God's dreams for you? Heaven's values are different than the values of earth. I've been reading a book uh, put out by Voice of the Martyrs, and it's called this, I am in. N stands for Nazarene. N is the word that um, ISIS writes in Arabic um, to demark Christians in the Middle East. And this book uh, walks through different stories from the year 2001 to present day of people who've lost their lives and been persecuted for their faith. The reality is we have people and brothers and sisters all around the world that face persecution for following after Jesus. In America, where following after Jesus might cause you to not be socially popular or not go along with the crowd, the reality is we have people that are facing real needs and real persecution. And one thing to think about, if you want to expand your view of heaven, is to put those ideas before you. I'd recommend get that book, read that book, and allow God to show you that there are deep needs in the world and that heaven's real and that, as I read in the story this morning of this lady who went to her death and her and her friend, um, it was her and her friend, and her friend was pregnant, and this is actually Perpetua, who's a Christian martyr who died in the early church, and Perpetua and her friend are going to their death. And her friend um, was pregnant at the time. And one of the rules in Roman law is they won't kill a pregnant person. How generous of them. How nice of them. So her prayer in that moment was that God would allow her to deliver the baby. You know why she wanted God to allow her to deliver the baby? Because she wanted to see Jesus along with her friend. She had such a view of heaven that we can't even begin to comprehend that she wanted to go and be with Christ and she wanted to have her baby so that that moment when her and Perpetua went to their death, they could go together to see Jesus. Talk about a view of heaven. Talk about a view of looking at the world that's completely upside down. As Americans, we don't understand that. We can't wrap our heads or our hearts around it because heaven's values are different than ours. Are we living for another world? Are we understanding life through the view of heaven? A faith that endures understands that salvation requires a personal decision. Understands the world through the view of heaven. And next, understands where your life and identity are found. Understands where your life and identity are found. Verse 3, for you have died. We tend to gloss over that. You've died. There's been a funeral when you accepted Christ. It's the funeral of you. It's the funeral of your own ways of doing things, your own ways of being your own God. You have died, and your true life is hidden with Christ in God. Your old life is dead because of Jesus, and you've been given a new life, a new life in Christ. This morning, um, 
supporting Walmart Tupperware. But in addition to that, this Tupperware represents you. This represents you in your life. And the reality is we find, we try to find a place for our life. A place for our life could be in a relationship. So I'm going to place my life in this relationship and that my hopes and my dreams and everything are going to be defined by this relationship. And I don't know how good your relationship is. Your relationship's a crummy God. Or you could be placing your hope in your success, in your academic success, seniors, that you'll go to college and you'll be valedictorian and you'll go on and do great things. That's a weak place for your hope. Or maybe your hope, adults, is in finances, that if I could get to this economic level, if I could just buy the next biggest car or house or boat or whatever that is, that my life would be complete. The reality is we go all over the place looking for places to put our identity. And as this text reminds us that our true identity is only found in Christ. We're going we're gonna to run after weak things that have no value until we realize that we were made for Jesus. There's a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal, and he talked about how there's a God-shaped hole in each and every one of us. And that's a hole that only God can fill. And And the reality is, only God can fill our hearts. Only God can satisfy us. And as believers in Christ, our identity's found in Christ. But the text doesn't stop there. That we're... As new believers, our life is in Christ, but our life is also hidden in God, that Christ is in God. Look at how protected we are. Look at the reality of this. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, your life is hidden with Christ and hidden with God. Parents, as you think about sending your student off to college this year, parents in this room who are glad it's not your year to do that, The reality is the moment comes when you send them off and you realize that their identity and their security, if they're following Jesus, is in God. And that's the best hands you could leave them in. Because he's the one who's in control. He's the one who's sovereign. He's the one who's on a throne. He's the one who's great. Students, adults, everyone in this room who so often we try to put our identity in other places, our values found there. Our values found that we are in Christ and Christ is in God. And you don't have to prove yourself to anybody because you're eternally secure. You don't have to look to the world to tell you that you have value, that you have purpose, because Christ bought you at the cross. And he gives you true, eternal value and eternal purpose in him. If we're going to have faith that endures, we understand where our life and our identity is found. It's found in Christ. And you can look to other things. And you can run and try to put your puzzle piece in other puzzles. But the reality is this is who you were made to be, graduates. A faith that endures. Understands that salvation requires a personal decision. Understands the world through the view of heaven. Understands where your life and identity are found. And last, understands that the clock is ticking. Verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We're Americans. We live in a time-conscious world. 
sure people are thinking about what time is he going to stop talking so I can go eat. Um, we live in a time-conscious world, and the reality is we think about time all the time. When you think about your spouse and your family, you can probably point out the people who are the tardy ones and the people who are the prompt ones. Don't look at your neighbor, that's rude. But when you think about, when you think about your life, you realize that the clock is ticking. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Your moments of influence are ticking. Your time to make a difference, your time to follow Jesus, your time to live on mission. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Parents who's graduating seniors, not this year. Tick-tock, tick-tock, it's coming. The reality is the clock is ticking and Jesus is coming back. In one moment, Christ is going to split the sky and make all things new. And are we living for that day? Are we living for that moment? Because that's when our true life will be rewarded. That's when God will look at us as we followed him and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've taken what I've given you. You've completed the task. You've completed the race. Tick, tock, tick, tock. As we live for a different world in the midst of a world that thinks that's weird, we realize the the clock is ticking. And one day Jesus will make everything new. Some application questions before we close. First, have you experienced Jesus personally? Have you experienced Jesus personally? Most important question you'll ever answer in your whole life. Question two, are you viewing your world through the eyes of heaven? Or have things on this earth gotten so big that you've lost the picture of what truly matters? Third, do you know where true life is found? True life is found here in Christ, in God, and in nothing else. Do you know that? Do you not just know it up here? Do you believe it? Does your life reflect it? Do people look at you and see Jesus? And last, are you living for the day when Jesus makes all things new? Tick, talk, tick, talk. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are a God who gives us a faith that endures. That you're a God who goes with us and for us and leads us and guides us. God, today as we celebrate these seniors, and God, we send them out into the next step of the plan that you have for them. God, we know that you go with them and you go before them. God, I pray that they would be faithful to you. God, they would be people who are defined not by what the world says about them, not by what the culture expects of them, but by the fact that they're a child of you. God, today, for those of us in this room who do not know you, God, today, open their eyes to your gospel. And God, for those of us in this room that may have lost sight of eternity, that may have lost sight of the tick-tock, tick-tock reality that you are coming back, God, bring them to a place of acknowledging you once again and living for the day when you come home. Come to take us home. God, we love you and we thank you that you're faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.